Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. Pastor Jeff, and like you said, we are back in the book of John, in chapter 10. But have you ever tried to reach someone, to explain something to someone, and just for whatever reason, they, would, they just never seem to get what you're saying? You tried everything. You tried for days, weeks, and months to speak to them and to let them know what their, their understanding of something is wrong and what yours is right. It's, it's plain to see for everyone to understand. But for whatever reason, they just don't get it. That's kind of what Jesus is going through in this moment. We are picking up in chapter 10, but Pastor Jeff preached a month ago in the first part of chapter 9, and he preached on the man who was healed, who was given his sight back, who was born blind, and Jesus gave him his sight back. And everything trickled after that, even from chapter, even before that in chapter 8 goes into this. So when we go into chapter 9, a correction to chapter 10, you could say chapter 9, we're looking at the same people, these are the same scene, nothing has changed from chapter 9 to the first part of what we are looking at in chapter 10. Really the only thing changes that's drastic that I like about it is that Jesus is doing most of the speaking. Out of 21 verses, Jesus speaks 17 times. So up until now, he kind of did some things here and there, but he is going in on these Jewish leaders and the religious leaders at this time about what their understanding is of what he wants them to grasp. So our big idea today is Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. During World War I, um, some soldiers uh, came upon some sheep on a hillside near Jerusalem. So they decided they're going to take this, these sheep. So they corral all these sheep up, and they try to force them to follow them. The shepherd fell asleep for whatever reason he fell asleep and woke up to seeing his sheep being herded off um, by these soldiers. And he was helpless. He couldn't do nothing. So, of course, the soldiers had guns, and they, he just was left on the hillside by himself. So, but he remembered he knew his sheep. He knew his sheep, and his sheep knew his voice. So he called out to the sheep, and the sheep immediately turned around, hearing the shepherd's voice, turned around and went back to the shepherd. And the soldiers, of course, were trying to stop these sheep from going back to the shepherd, but it was nothing. There was obviously nothing they could do because the, the sheep had heard the voice of the shepherd. And they were going back to safety. They know they found safety in the voice of the shepherd. So that's where they went. And they know they were hearing a strange voice that was forcing them to leave the hillside. But as soon as the shepherd spoke and they heard his voice, they ran to the shepherd's voice. So the first point Jesus is trying to tell these Jewish leaders and us is you have to learn the voice of the shepherd. Learn the voice of the good shepherd, that is. So let's look at what Jesus said in the first part of John chapter 10. You're going to go through the first six verses. Truly, I tell you, 
Every, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. So we have Jesus speaking to these leaders. If you're wondering why is Jesus talking about sheep to a bunch of religious leaders and politicians, well, in the Old Testament, spiritual leaders and politicians, political leaders, were considered sheep. Reference, you can look at Isaiah 56, 11, and Jeremiah 3 and 15 will give you those details. But I noticed from the story that Jesus identified the thief and the robber right at the beginning of the scripture. He talks about those who would reach over the gate to take the sheep. And he did this for a reason because he was talking to these Jewish leaders, pretty much telling them that's what they're doing. They are gaining access to the sheep by multiple reasons. Many of these reasons we are familiar with personal and political connections, manipulation, and corruption. That's how some of these leaders got their position. So they were considered leaders, considered shepherds, but they were illegitimate leaders and shepherds because of how they gained access. And if you also notice from the scripture, he talks about the door. In a sheep pen, there's only one door. And the gatekeeper stands at the door to gain access to the shepherds to allow their sheep to enter the sheep pen for the night. So multiple shepherds would bring their sheep in and they would be inspected. They would be looked at for multiple reasons, for disease or anything in that nature. And the gatekeeper would examine them as the sheep come in and as they go out. The gatekeeper will pay attention to the sheep and they will identify who are there. But those are the true shepherds. The true shepherds are coming in legitimate. Those are the ones that come in by way of Jesus Christ. Those are the ones that come in the right way. Those that have love in their heart, compassion for, for other people, and know how and have a heart and passion for leading um, God's people in these sheep. So God intended for his people to be led, fed, and protected by those who come in the right way. Um, and the door obviously was there for a reason to give them access to the sheepfold. But one day a traveler came upon a group of sheep and he wanted, of course, like we travel, a lot of us do vacation. We want to ride horseback and do certain things and when we go to different areas. So this guy wanted to play the role of a shepherd. So he said, hey, let's change clothes. I'll put on the shepherd's clothes, you put on the traveler's clothes, and I'll lead your sheep for, for, a, month, for a time period. So they changed clothes and the traveler who has on the shepherd's clothes try to herd the sheep to go where he wanted them to go. Of course, he was going to bring them back. But it was something about the shepherd that the sheep didn't want to follow. So he had a hard time with the sheep. And hear this. If you don't hear nothing else from this first part, you can put on shepherd's clothes, but you still don't have the ability to lead the sheep. Because true sheep listen to the voice of the true shepherd. So you have a lot of people that are putting on 
shepherd's clothes, trying to lead sheep, trying to lead God's people, whether it's religious leaders or politicians, but they don't have a heart for the people. And God is saying through listening to his voice, you can be guided and, and led. So that's one of the key things that, that we learn from this first part of this part of this text. And you see in verse 6 that, of course, the leaders didn't understand what Jesus was saying. So Jesus, in the next part, beginning in chapter 6, he goes and tells them again. So you, in, the next, in the next part, it says, the good shepherd, and the, next, the next point is, the good shepherd protects his sheep. So in the part that the good shepherd protects his sheep, look at what Jesus says to the people next. Jesus says again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. I want to pause there. If you write in your Bible, underline the gate, because you're going to hear it again. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Hear the gate again. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pastor. A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. You hear good shepherd twice, verse 11 and verse 14. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. In this text, Jesus is saying that he is the gate. He is the door in other verses. And what he's saying is, if you are going to be saved, you have to come in through me. There's no other way. You have to come in through the door, and I am the door. I am the gate. You have to come in through me. If a young man looks to date someone's daughter and they come through the house, and she's in a dual-parent home, who's standing at the door? Who do you think is opening the door? He's standing at the door. He's at the gate. And that guy can do this all he wants, but he cannot gain access to her unless he gets through the door. And for us, it's the same way. We have to gain access through the door. But if you have thieves and robbers in this text, he's talking about the con men, the impersonators. Now, some may look at the sermon and listen to it and think that I'm judging preachers. I'm not doing that. Jesus is. So let's be clear about that. He is judging them, not me, not anyone else. He is pointing out their flaws. He's pointing out that they are fake. He's pointing out that they are phony. He's pointing out that they are, are false shepherds among his sheep. And he's identifying them. He's talking to them. But he's using the story of the sheep and the shepherd to make his point clear. So when you are going in and out, which is a wonderful point, he's saying that peace and safety will follow you when you go in and out because of the shepherd. In the case of the sheep, who's going with them when they're going in and out? The shepherd. Whether they are sleeping or whether they are being moved around to find pastures to eat, the shepherd is there. He's there to protect them, and he's there to watch over them. But some scriptures to help us, to let us know that God does watch over us when we go in and out. Deuteronomy 28 and 6. Moses is speaking to the people of Israel who were passing through the wilderness. You got to think, they were 400 years of, of slavery, and 
They're thinking they just out there on their own. So Moses simply tells them, I mean, Deuteronomy 28, 6, blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. Now, if I'm an Israelite walking through the wilderness during that time period, that's assuring. Not only is that assuring through his words, I can see God in the pillar of a cloud by day and I can see him in the pillar of a cloud by night watching over me. So I'm like, whew, he's protecting us. He's um, our safety blanket. So they're not only hearing these words, they are seeing the evidence that Jesus is protecting them. But let's move on. For those who are thinking, yeah, that's when stuff are going a little good. Let's look at Deuteronomy, correction, not Deuteronomy, Jeremiah 37 and 4. Now Jeremiah was still coming in and going out among the people, for they had not yet put him in prison. Jeremiah's story was a little different going in and out. The Israelites were taken captives by the Babylonians. Most of the people were put in prison, but Jeremiah was allowed to go in and out. But he was going in and out under the protection of God, who protected him in a time where he was surrounded by the enemy. And those of us that have been surrounded by the enemy know it's a sense of assurance to know that you are still being protected, even though you're in the, in the lion's den. And that's what Jeremiah faced. Another one I give you, and this one is one that you're all familiar with. A lot of people, Bible scholars know Psalm 121. A lot of us know it for verse 1, which is, I would lift my eyes to the hills and the mountains from whence or when my help come from. My help comes from the Lord. But if you look at verse 8, it reads, The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. So God is a protector. But the life of a shepherd wasn't an easy job. They were out in the weather, so they were in the rain, they were in the snow, they were in the heat, anything that Nature chose that morning, that day, the shepherds were there. And, of course, knowing sheep like we know sheep, they tend to wander off from time to time. So the shepherd couldn't take his eyes off the sheep. He had to go herd some in, put them in the fold to get them back. And he had to, of course, protect them from predators, wolves, lions, or whatever in the area that was seek to kill the sheep. So he had to protect them. And But when you have hired hands taking care of the sheep, when they see a wolf coming, they run. Because, look, these, these, these aren't my sheep. These aren't my people. So danger comes, I'm, I'm going to ditch them. So I'm just going to leave out. And that's what these hired hands. So in the course of religious leaders, of course, when times come, they will use the people, manipulate the people to make decisions that they want to happen and once that decision's been made and they no longer need the people, then mm, push them to the side and keep doing what they're doing. So that's what he was saying to them in that aspect. And we know that if you strike the shepherd, the sheep will scatter, because Jesus um, said that in Matthew 26, 33, and Mark 14 and 27. But he really was quoting Zechariah 13 and 7 when he said, I will strike the sheep, and I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will scatter. So we saw that in Jesus going up on the cross and his disciples and everyone who believed in him just dispersed. But however, the good shepherd, he takes risks for his sheep. And in, in a dangerous situation, he would die for his sheep. One of my many patrols in Afghanistan, one that I will never forget, was one that we was headed east going to another town. But for whatever reason, we started getting, receiving gunfire from the south. So we, of course, returned fire and I started maneuvering my platoon in that area. And the closer I got, I noticed this man 
in the middle of this gunfight, just walking from my left to my right. And he had a herd of sheep. And he would just walk in like it was a bright sunny day, like nothing was going on. Just gunfire, chaos is all I'm hearing and all he could possibly hear. But he was just walking, didn't pick up his pace or anything. And I'm just still kind of maneuvering the tomb. At the same time, my eyes on the shepherd who is in the middle of this firefight, and he's not doing anything to get out of the way anytime soon. So it got to a point after a couple of minutes of him just casually walking through, and you not going to be what I said on the radio. I said, look, I said, do not shoot the sheep. I didn't say nothing about the shepherd. I told everybody in the platoon, I said, do not shoot the sheep. For some reason, even though I wasn't a shepherd, never was a shepherd, don't have any idea how to identify one sheep from another, my mind went to caring for his sheep in the same way that he was caring for his sheep. And he was protecting his sheep because he realized if I panic, if I run, my sheep are going to scatter. So the best thing for me to do in order to get my sheep out of this area of danger, I have to remain calm. The, the guy didn't look, I didn't never see him look my direction or the direction of the enemy gunfire. He just kept where he was looking and he just looked, whatever tree, village, or whatever was in that area, and he just walked that way to get his sheep out of harm's way. Because he knew if he panicked, his sheep would panic. And knowing sheep like he knew sheep, they would probably go back the way they came. But if he remained calm and he walked ahead of them, they would follow him through, through that valley of danger. And he did. And when it was over and everyone, that's like all we could talk about. Never mind the, the guy we shooting at. It's like, man, do you see this sheet? Like, dude, really? What, what, what about this? We got to contain this mission. <laughs> but that was the talk that the patience of that shepherd I've never seen nothing like that before, never seen nothing like that since, of someone who handled danger in that way with animals as a shepherd and, and leading his sheep through that danger, very dangerous area. So we also see that the good shepherd protects his sheep. If he was a hired hand, I'm sure he would have took off running. But it was obvious that he was the shepherd of those sheep, and he wanted to take care of what he was entrusted to take care of, and he led his sheep um, through danger. The third point is the good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows his sheep. And hear what Jesus says about knowing his sheep. Again, verse 14 is, I am the good shepherd. Second time we hear Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So by now we know this is a major part. Major part in it is, I am the gate, the door, and I am the good shepherd, is what he's trying to tell these folks. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from the sheep pen. Now, if you were a shouter or a praiser and knew what verse 16 is saying, because that's verse 16, you will be shouting for joy right now. Because what he's saying in that is, up until this point, he was talking about the Jews. Verse 16, when he's talking about other sheep pens, he's talking about us, non-Jews, Gentiles. So he's saying, I got other sheep. 
So I got to go to the other sheep pen. I got to get these other sheep and bring them to be a part of this flock. That's what he's saying. He said, I must bring them also. And they will listen to me, listen to my voice. So he's already knowing, hey, we're listening to his voice already, but we're in a different sheep pen. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from the Lord. I'm correction from my father. If you're another underlined, I will underline command. Because a lot of us that are in charge or supervisor, I don't care if you're in charge of one person or you just a home, a housewife, and you're at home, you are commanding those kids. And we learned that we can give coworkers and subordinates commands, but they have to listen. They have to do what we ask them to do. I've led many soldiers. Some obeyed my command, some didn't. But in this case, when Jesus is talking about him dying on the cross, him going on the cross, he's saying no one takes it. I, I lay it down. And the Father has given me a command that I can raise it up again. So he's telling us that. And there are some other known shepherds that a lot of us in the Jewish leaders in this text know about. They know about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses, and David. So they know about these five. But what if I tell you Jesus is the most well-known shepherd in the Old Testament? Okay, I'm going to prove it. And y'all going to help me with the first verse. If you ain't looking at this online, you join in and, and shout out the answer to Everybody knows it. Okay, y'all ready? And then y'all can know the answer once I give y'all the scripture text. Psalm 23 and 1. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is. That's it. That's one. It's many, but I only chose three. The Lord is my shepherd. That's one. Psalm 77 20. You lead your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 103. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and what? That's one of many. So in the course of knowing that and knowing who God is, God knows us individually. He knows us, our personality. He knows our, our courts and our habits and things in that nature. If you were to, to look at a text and you would see the man, who, a, pers- a man that was trying to, he saw some, some of God believers casting out demons and they were like, man, we can do this. And he went and tried to cast out the demon in someone, and the demon said, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? So the shepherd knows our names, and there's no one in here that has an animal that they haven't named. No one buys a dog and name it dog. No one buys a cat and name it. What's your cat name? That's his name. Name's cat. No one does that. So if we're doing these things because... They are ours, and we are God's. God knows us, knows our name. So it's nothing foreign to him. So the shepherd named his sheep. He, named, he called them by name. In other cases, he would use the stink calls to get them to come to where he's at, where he is. And that's the same way God is with us. But a devoted pastor as the under-shepherd 
will demonstrate the qualities of the good shepherd. He will do this by his sacrifice, knowing and being known by the flock. And we can never demonstrate the characteristics that the, the same way that Jesus can, but we can continue to try to imitate what he was doing and what he left us to do through the help of the Holy Spirit, that God is, is so faithful and just to do those things that he can allow us to go here and, and there and be protected. But another thing with a fold, what a shepherd would do with his sheep, if, say, just like dogs, some of them don't get along, so you can't put all of them in the same room when you leave the house. So the shepherd would separate the sheep based on their needs. And at two cities, the way we separate the fold is through life groups. We have many life groups that do many different things. We are part of two cities. We are still part of the flock, but we have different folds within the flock. We have different leaders who cater to people. We have groups that cater to women. We have groups that cater to servicemen. We have different groups that do a lot of things all over Columbus and online. And that's how we as a church mirror what Jesus is saying in the text when he's saying that there are different folds within the flocks. And we do a good job, of, I think, here of having different folds, had different life groups just about every day of the week to do those things to reach the lost and save them. We're not save them, introduce them to Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to come within them and through their acceptance of him. But Jesus' unique relationship wouldn't be possible if he didn't have a close connection to the Father. Everything I'm talking about wouldn't be true for Jesus if he didn't have a close relationship with his Father. And some will say, well, it's easy for Jesus because him, God, Father, Son are one and they separated. Yeah. But we can do our part here through the help of the Holy Spirit to grow our relationship with him through Scripture, through prayer, and through the lives, the life that we live by showing him that we care, showing him that we love, and mirroring what he's saying in his text. And the final point is uh, one that we, nobody wants to do or be, and it is simply, don't be tone deaf sheep. Meaning exactly this. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying to him, saying he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So in this text, we see Jesus stop talking to allow those who were in earshot of what he was saying to accept or deny in the same way we have an aisle in the middle and we have folks sitting on one side and folks on the other side, the Jews were similar. So on one side, they had one group that didn't want to believe Jesus, still thought he was a liar. And the other side is saying, hey, how can a demon, can a demon open the eyes of a blind? And through reading this text, I came to the conclusion, it just kept coming back to my mind, that a lot of people, they want God but they don't want his son. They want the father, but they don't want to have nothing to do with the son. They just want to bypass the son, and I just want to worship God the father. 
And God is saying, no, he keeps putting Jesus there. Like, no, you and me, you, you, need, an, you need an adversary. You need an advocate that can speak on your behalf because you're not pure enough to talk directly to me or come in my presence without what Jesus has done and for them what he's going to do. But they didn't want nothing to do with Jesus. But you couldn't tell them that they didn't love God. And a lot of people look at Scripture and say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. I guarantee you a lot of us in here today and online can testify of people that love God but don't love Jesus. And if they don't say it outright, they'll say it in their actions, that they love God but they don't love Jesus. They don't care for Jesus. And that's where the, these people were at. You had those that rejected Jesus for what he was doing because he did it on a day that they didn't think he should have done it on, never mind the fact that he did a miracle, never mind the fact that only God can, can give sight to a person born blind. He didn't become blind. He was born blind. So there's some things in there that didn't exist at birth that only God could have created and put together and connect in order for him to see. And yet they still couldn't see that because they didn't want to believe Jesus. But they still wanted to worship God. So they were still lost. And this just proved the fact that the miracle of opening the eyes of the man born blind can only be um, validated with faith, in the word of God and and faith and actions in the word of God through Jesus Christ. So you have faith and action in work to perform a miracle to save a person that was born blind. And you're seeing this happen. You're seeing God at work. And yet you still deny his existence. You still deny how he's able to do these things when the evidence is, is right there. For you to see. And Jesus just kind of let them debate on their own because at that point, it was nothing else for him to say. He gave the examples. He did the miracle. He spoke on some other things. And yet these folks were still lost, still non-believing. So if you're here and you wonder, hey, what's next? How do I fall in to this equation of where I'm at? And the next steps are simple. I need to listen to the voice of the good shepherd. Everyone, if you're a believer, you hear it. But like Jesus said in in the, the latter parts of the scripture, you have to obey that command. The second one is, I am tone deaf and need prayer to recognize the voice of the good shepherd. Because as we all know, there's different voices you hear, hey, do this, do that. So you need to be able to tell the difference between the voice of the Holy Spirit and the voice of the enemy telling you to do something else. And thirdly, I acknowledge Jesus as the good shepherd and will follow him alone. Because... If you're anything like me, you've been in environments where you're the only believer or there may be two of you out of ten, the numbers are not in your favor. <laughs> you're going to either stand and accept and speak on it or you're going to waver. As being in the infantry and being in the military and being in a certain MOSs and jobs, there's certain languages that they, everybody just used to saying the things they used to doing. And 
you're just going to be that person that's, that's there, that's not listening. Because I remember when I was a drill sergeant, and they sent me to my unit, and they were trying to weed out all the cursing and everything, the bad language, and they putting hands on the soldiers. And I didn't do that. I didn't yell. I wasn't a cursor. I definitely didn't put my hands on soldiers. So none of the drill sergeants really hung around me because they, they considered that being weak. But I never wavered. I was the only one out of 12 that stood on my faith and didn't waver. So when they would do things, I walked to the room, they would stop talking. Didn't bother me, but <laughs> I was further along in my faith where I wasn't going like, yeah, man, let's go do this to the soldier. I just kept doing what I was doing. And eventually I got moved to another um, battalion, but it was not because of that. The point is I never wavered from doing what I was doing. I went there and did the same thing. And the drill sergeants there were saying, you the meanest drill sergeant we got. I'm like, how is that? I don't yell. I don't curse. He said, I'm dude scared to death of you. I said, I just, if I tell them to do something, they don't do it. And this is the consequences of it. It's going to happen. I'm going to miss dinner, whatever, but we're going to be here until it's done. But that's how we have to be as believers in, in doing that. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.